Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. The Radio Forest Podcast. Yeah, dude. Hey, uh, let me get my AirPod Maxes on and the sound could be a little better, I think. Okay. Can you hear me now? You sound good. Excellent. Important question for you. John 5 in for Motley Crue on tour. What do you think about that? I completely understand Mick Mars hanging up his coat or whatever you call it. I, I saw Motley Crue when they had Samantha, the drummer from Hole, filling in for Tommy Lee. And this was back in year 2000. I uh, was backstage and I saw Mick Mars like hobbling along. It was the most upsetting thing. Now, nobody would ever have seen that in the audience because, you know, they turn on the lights and he's already there. But like to see backstage what it was like for him to try to walk was uh, genuinely upsetting. So I understand what kind of pain his uh, you know medical situation ha- has created for him all these years. The fact that he made it as long as he did is is uh, considerably more shocking than him retiring now. As for the band continuing without him. Uh, hey, certainly not the first act to do that. What do you do for pain management then? You talk about Mick Mars and the spine issues he has. I know like Anthony Kiedis relapsed one time because he got some like medication. How do you get through that? Since I got clean and sober, I've not filled out a prescription for painkillers. Where I draw the line is once I leave the hospital, I'm on my own with Tylenol and Advil. In some cases, like the most horrific cases, I'll have Tylenol and Advil together. But yeah, that's that's been been I've been able to do that in the hospital. Whatever they want to put into the IV, whatever like as long as I'm not in possession of it and it's just an exercise of them putting it in an IV, then uh, I really don't care. But outside of the hospital, I've never taken a painkiller. I was never particularly fond of opiates. They just kind of made me uh, itchy and scratchy. I don't know. I never, I never got into that. But yeah, I'm definitely very nervous of it nonetheless. Now I'm coming up on 20 years sobriety next year. What? Everybody- wow. Cool, man. Congrats. Thank you. Everybody has a specific moment when it ends, you know, when the train stops. I've heard you talk a lot about your sobriety and a lot about being high, but I don't think I've heard you say, how did that change? Because again, you're on another level than I was. That's a whole different bag of tricks. And then you had to deal with sex addiction, food addiction. But how did the drugs, right. how did the drugs and alcohol, what kicked that in motion, the sobriety? I was locked up in a psychiatric ward, sort of famously by Johnny Knoxville and uh, a bunch of the, the jackass crew. And it was pretty standard issue intervention where I was uh, 
belligerent. Ah, I don't know. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And they, I didn't have a choice in the matter. They they forcibly locked me up on an involuntary hold. The 5150 is California code for the involuntary hold, which lasts 72 hours. But due to the fact that when I got to the hospital, I was spitting on people and throwing furniture around, they extended my stay to uh, the California code 5250, which is a two-week involuntary hold. And that was really the saving grace because after three days, I would have just gone right back to doing what I was doing. It was, I, I want to say day, day five or day six that, uh, that it really kind of clicked for me that, um, that, I, that I needed to get help. You know, I went door to door from the psych ward to a rehab and I've been clean and sober ever since. Man, that's awesome. Congratulations. You've been doing it for such a long time and that's awesome. And I think we're in a different era where rock stars are clean and sober and people talk about sobriety. Like when we were kids, it wasn't really something that was cool. And now it is. So I, you're part of that. So I appreciate that. I wonder. I mean, I, I know that for sure. Like going back to Motley Crue, based on speculation that they recorded the album Dr. Feel Good, Clean and Sober. I boycotted yeah. that album. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, there wasn't any Motley Crue that I was down with. <laughs> Did you ever see that Dimebag Daryl video where he sang Jackass ripped off Pantera's home videos? Oh, yeah. Wow. I don't know anything about that. All I know is that uh, I've always considered Pantera to be a vile and racist act. I say that based on an experience that I had in 1995. All the way back in 1995, I went to a Pantera concert, and um, the singer Phil Anselmo, in between songs, had what I considered to be vile, racist shit that he said into the microphone, and I just couldn't even believe it, and I was so offended. I've always hated them ever since. Now, I never held it against Dimebag Daryl necessarily. I always kind of considered it was the lead singer of Pantera, but just that experience has made me hate Pantera so viscerally that any member of Pantera having an issue with Jackass is fine with me because they can suck a fart out of my asshole. You know, the sad thing is, too, that's not the first time we've heard stories about the lead singer saying racist things backstage, on stage, whatever, so... But there's an old, old video, it's, it's uh, like VHS, of Dimebag saying, yeah, jackass guys, I was doing this first, and he's smashing things and stuff like that. But I completely understand, man. I've heard that a couple of times. Super serious question for you. What is the best Nabisco product out there? <laughs> I remember when um, Oreo ice cream came out. I think Oreo ice cream was not only the best product, but my dad being uh, like the president of Nabisco, maybe at the time he was the president of Nabisco Canada, he was tickled by the fact that I think, and I'd have to check with him, but I think it was like, what are we going to do with all these broken cookies? You know, like instead of throwing them out, let's toss them into ice cream. Like I think it was like, it might have been that that's what, what happened. It was just trash. And rather than throwing out the trash, they made the the most popular (laughs) product ever. (laughs) 
Your dad had you guys in England, in Brazil, in Canada. I wanted to ask you, what part of the world feels like part of Stevo? Everybody's got like their hometown, no matter where you move or how much you travel. There's a place that feels like part of you. But moving so much, do you have that or is the whole world your home? Or do, do you feel English? Do you feel Canadian? Is it just all American? What, what is Steve? <clears throat> what do you feel? I mean, it's tough, man. I'm, I'm a citizen of three different countries. I grew up in five different countries. I, I certainly don't feel terribly English, even though my formative years, uh, I, I lived in England more than anywhere else growing up as a kid. I, I went to all four years of high school in England, went through puberty in England, but I don't feel English. I, I would just say that Florida is home base for my family. So if I think about going home to visit my family, I, I think about Florida. But I'm just so rooted in Los Angeles. I've lived in Los Angeles since 2001. And my life was an agonizing wait to get to Los Angeles. From I, mean, I was just such an attention whore from birth. And everything that I was into came from Los Angeles, like heavy metal music. I loved Motley Crue. That's the Sunset Strip in Los Angeles. Skateboarding, Southern California. I wanted to be a stuntman. The movie industry is in Los Angeles. Like everything that I was into and everything that I was about really is, uh, is Los Angeles. So even though I never moved here until 2001, this place was my home from birth. Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more. Named one of the best personal finance podcasts, The Stacking Benjamin Show with Joe and his friends makes financial literacy fun. I got an email today from the LenPenzo.com HR department. I find oh. it really interesting. I'm an employee of one at this company, so but somebody from the HR department sent me an email telling me that I had a raise. If I just opened the attachment, I could see how much my raise was. Make sure you click on the links that are in there, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. They're yeah, safe. I can't wait. This is I'm excited. Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. No, I was in Sarasota. I lived there around the same time as you, 90, 96, 97-ish. And I heard you say that the Ringling Brothers Clown College is hard to get into. What's hard? Do you have to have juggling skills and an act and a persona? Like, no. how, how, how is it hard to get into? It's quite the opposite. Or I should say it was quite the opposite because they closed it down after my class. I graduated in the last class ever. Now, what made it difficult to get into was that you had to audition to even get an application. They held auditions in literally 100 cities in the U.S. every single year. So it was thousands of applicants and um, only 30. For my year, there were 33 clowns that got in. That made it statistically harder to get into clown college than Harvard. It wasn't that you had to have any skills. It's quite the opposite. The only rule for the audition was that they didn't want anybody showing up in clown makeup. They didn't want any, like, even notion of clown experience because they didn't want to be untraining people. 
They wanted everyone to be like a clean slate. And once you got into clown college, it was mostly just an exercise in playing to your strengths. You know, like you had to try everything. The one thing you had to be able to do competently by the end was walk on stilts. But uh, there was no requirement for a certain level of skill as it related to juggling or acrobatics or whatever. Like, they just wanted you to be the best performer, best entertainer that you could be. You know, next to a couple of guys I met in recovery, you've got to be the person I've ever talked to that's probably been closest to death the most. And I've heard you talk about a couple of uh, psychedelic experiences kind of on a different plane. What do you think happens to you when you die? Yeah, I love it. What a fun question. What do I think happens after you die? What happens to us? I have this little theory. It's sort of more of an analogy that uh, I, I like to share with people. Some people think it's really cool. Other people think it's patently absurd. But I, I think it's, it's genius. And the analogy is that we are the equivalent of a radio with the dial, you know, the one that picks up the signal. And I use that analogy because I think it's erroneous to consider the brain to be transmitter of consciousness. The brain does not create consciousness. I think the brain is a receiver of consciousness. So to play the analogy out, if you take a sledgehammer to a radio, you can obliterate the radio, but you've done nothing to harm or alter the signal. I think that's kind of an analogy, the physical body being the radio and the signal being consciousness or the soul. I think that signal can get picked up by another radio. I think this is just a temporary receiver of the signal. So are you part of the consciousness message or are you the radio or is your body the radio and your consciousness is the signal? It gets a little bit murky if you go into it too much because uh, you've got the mind and you've got the soul and you've got the body. But I think that in this this 3D experience and, and in this uh, human reality, we're kind of a mix of all three. I do just think that when the body ends, the consciousness continues. Kudos on your podcast, Steve-O's Wild Ride. You've got great guests. You've got everybody from Tommy Lee, Tony Hawk, ICP, the Island Boys. You also get like your dad on there, and it's still a great interview. This podcast is super successful, but I feel like no matter how big that gets, you're still doing stand-up comedy with your multimedia, and you're still doing stunts and tricks and goofing on people. If this was the number one thing, it made you the most money, it took up most of your time, I don't think you could switch and just do that, right? You're a clown, you're a TV actor, you're a social media star, you're... Does that make sense? I don't think you could do just one. Sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And, and um, I think that, that for now and, and for as, you know, as far as the foreseeable future, we'll be an attention whore in, in every respect. <laughs> I, I will be... You know, I will be seeking to push boundaries and entertain myself with ridiculous feats and gags. I, I don't know if that's ever going to stop, but we're we're definitely seeing an evolution of me kind of diversifying my attention seeking to uh, kind of make it a little bit more um, 
longevity friendly. Yeah, because you've got people like, you've got Carrot Top on there saying like, dude, it's awesome. People hated me when I started. Dane Cook helped you out a lot to get this stand-up thing. But at the same time, like, aren't, aren't you getting boobs? Like, is it part of the plan for you to get a set of boobs? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Bucket List Tour is, is truly winding down. Boise is among the, the final U.S. dates. I'm going to do a, a quick sprint for some international dates in March and February. And then it's going to be done. And once it's done, I would say this summer is when I, I start shooting for the Gone Too Far tour. So is that going to be like your next special multimedia around the same style or, or you don't really know until yeah. you get into it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, then what the bucket list is, I, I had a, essentially a list of forbidden stunts. There were ideas that I had thrown around mostly for the purpose of uh, just entertaining people with just saying, you know, there was just such ridiculous things that I never thought I was going to do it. I, I just said it to to be shocking and, you know, get a rise. And then I thought, you know what? What if I actually did those things? They were just so over the top. And it, it worked really well because the ideas were so ridiculous that uh, they lent themselves to great storytelling for stand-up comedy. And having actually gone through with them, it made a, a multimedia comedy show really exciting. And then that's how the show works, the bucket list show. After each bit, I screen the footage of that forbidden stunt actually taking place. It's wild, wildly X-rated and, and just insanely naughty and filthy. And I love it. And it'll be the same approach for the next tour as well. I don't know if it... The items on the bucket list are also distinctly separate and roughly take about the same amount of the show. And then the next tour, you've got like kind of big categories with a bunch of subcategories underneath it. Like with the fake boobs, there's going to be a, a bunch of bits. Oh. Stunts, there's going to be pranks, comedy, there's shocking footage. So I'm really kind of getting it organized in my head, like how it all will break down, how it'll go back and forth between video and, and the routine. And largely a lot of it, I just have to go through it. That's one thing that will be similar to the bucket list and how I put it together is that I can't write the act until I've actually uh, performed the tasks on the list. Well, it's Steve-O on the Bucket List Tour coming through Boise Saturday, January 14th, Egyptian Theater. His book, Hard Kicking the Nuts, just came out. Podcast, Steve-O's Wild Ride. Steve-O, let me ask you before I let you go. I know you've got a super impressive stat with meditation, something you've really been working hard, yeah. you've been working hard at. You've done it like every day for how long now? Four days shy of three years. Having meditated every day and maintained an average of more than 40 minutes of meditation every day. That's even like when you're suspended in your Tesla from a crane, like you're doing this. Every 100%. Big time. What's the benefits you get from that just real quick? It's tough to put my finger on a, a specific benefit. I'd say in general, I have an unshakable faith that my meditation practice causes the universe to conspire in my favor. I think a lot of people would consider that an outlandish, absurd belief, but it's what I believe, and I benefit from believing it. 
I think that a lot of it is just the discipline of always doing it. I think that any disciplined practice that, that you do with the intent of positive relationship with the universe, you kind of can't go wrong. Well, Steve-O, thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. We'll see you when your tour bus rolls through Boise. Congratulations, man, and, and congratulations on the new book, hey, too. Hey, dude. Thank you so much, man. Pleasure talking to you. Named one of the best personal finance podcasts, The Stacking Benjamin Show with Joe and his friends makes financial literacy fun. I got an email today from the LenPenzo.com HR department. I find oh. it really interesting. I'm an employee of one at this company, so but somebody from the HR department sent me an email telling me that I had a raise. If I just opened the attachment, I could see how much my raise was. Make sure you click on the links that are in there, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait. This is I'm excited. Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen.